Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. How's it going? It's going all right. All right. Sorry about yesterday. The uh, kids were being awful. You know how that goes. I know exactly how that goes. Yeah. So they. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. No further explanation is necessary. <laughs> Making the hey, so uh, it looks like I was pretty right about Miles Brennan, TJ Finley. Hey, save, save that for the podcast. Okay, <laughs> I'm not saying that in light of the game because that wouldn't be fair. He was awful. I mean, well, everyone was awful. God, that was I just know, a... he kind of got murdered. I mean, just everyone was. Uh... It was about as bad. Uh, of a game. I mean, Mac Johnson was awful too until he, the final drive was just lipstick on a pig. But yeah, no, no, no. Max Johnson's not very good either. Yeah, he at least, you know. Is it a matter of the, not being good or is it just a matter of being inexperienced as a freshman playing in the SEC all of a sudden? Well, I think that's more TJ Finley. Max Johnson's just not good. He, he just doesn't have any. There's no there there. Yeah, I mean, I, I tend to agree. Unless he becomes like this really accurate, really good processing quarterback, which you know, show me. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I, I never really saw it before, though. I mean, with freshmen, all I want to see is like a skill set, and Max Johnson's just out there to run, and he's not a running quarterback. So that's really that's doubly bad. He, he was Somewhat he was recruited. He was recruited as a pocket passer, and they, they bring him out there to run. That says pretty much everything you need to know about his passing. I'm sorry, you don't have the offensive line. Oh, the offensive line's terrible. I mean, it's just terrible. Like, I mean, I could see Max Johnson running with a great offensive line and a great offense and everything, but like, come on, you can't just. No, no, it's it's not his it's not his skill set, which is pretty limited to begin with. I still think they should give him a sustained shot at this point because why not? I mean that's probably what the A and M game was, and yeah, sure, let him let him start the Bama game. Why the hell not? I mean yeah. that's the whole that's yeah. the whole point of the year. That's that's literally my case. The whole thing Fine. about the the Bama game is that it's it's not fair to put. I, I don't think they should start either of them. I think they should put they should just snap the ball into the end zone. God, what would be really funny is if they just played walk ons, just the whole oh, game. Yes. God, that would be hysterical. They're not going to, but it'd be really funny if they did. Avery Acock, starter. Just, I, I'm not talking to quarterback. I'm talking everywhere. Just every position. Just 
you put out your first team for the first drives drives of the game just so they get the official start, and then from that point on, you just play walk-ons and and depth players. Hey kids, enjoy playing in Tiger Stadium. That would be awesome. Bama would be so pissed. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, only reason to do it. That's exactly the reason to do it. Um, but yeah, God, they're just either quarterback is going to get just hammered. I mean, they might both get hurt, honestly. <laughs> like, they're, I mean, yeah. they're really in danger. <laughs> I mean, that's the worry. I mean, yeah, as people getting hurt. Yeah, but, but this is definitely, we're now definitely into save it for the podcast, kind of. Yeah. So, instead, we're adopting a dog. I know, I saw that. Congratulations. Visited, she visited uh, last week. She was really cute. Kids loved her. We, of course... Had to run through the approval process, which always tickles me pink. Because if I don't adopt this dog, let's be honest, they're going to put it to death. So if they don't approve me, they're saying that living with me is literally a fate worse than death. <laughs> that's one way. Well, yes. No, that's literally <laughs> It's literally true. So, uh, but no, we actually, since we adopted through them before, we know one of the fosters. And we just called her up instead of going to the site and saying, hey, who do you recommend? Like, what dogs do you know? And uh, she suggested Tana for us. And it's worked. But also because of that, it's like expedited the whole process. Like she's, we've been fast-tracked this time. We didn't have to do like two or three meetings. I mean, once you realize that I'm not running a dog running, you know, a dog fighting ring. (laughs) <laughs> let me have i mean I'm, I'm okay i'm okay with one home visit just to make sure like i don't have like you know a kennel in the back <laughs> like this here is the basement you're not allowed to see it all right i get it <laughs> <laughs> we're now arguing over names because we're going to change your name because tana is a terrible name but, that's bad one yeah, so yeah, I've oh. changed every dog's pet's name that I've adopted except for Winston because that was just too perfect when we adopted him. Right, hang on, let me add Zach. He was calling. Let's see. Oh, there we go, Zach. All right, yeah, we're back. Look at that, full crew. Y'all, I can't tell you how excited I am that we got that shirt back up and going. That's gonna be cool. I'm, I'm smelling. I'm smelling Christmas. Because what? Are, because what it was, I, I did some research on the guys, and it's like an Alaskan-based shoe company, and they put up this whole facade about like, well, in French, Mando means to like to like to overcome and to keep going. I'm like that th- that doesn't sound right at all, dude. I don't know what you're talking yeah, about. I, I'm not a copyright lawyer, but that is a ter- no, no. I'll. I'll- uh, I'm on the case. Yeah. And, Put that up. And, Dare them to sue you. I, I just... I, I'll forward you the letter they sent me, but they, but they're like, uh, that we just don't want the, the two to be confused. I'm like, y'all are shoes. This is a purple tiger is, on a t-shirt. Like no one's going to get you guys. There is no confusion. Now, if, yeah. if Lucasfilm called us up, you have to take it down. Yeah. Yeah. Like if Lucasfilm is protecting their copyright, which let's be honest, I would not put past them. Because <laughs> it's even worse than Lucasfilm now. It's Disney. Yeah, Disney, man. They'll, like, they'll preschools. Disney has gotten really harsh with the with the copyright stuff ever since they bought Lucasfilm. Because, yeah, I mean, do you? They'll just have you killed. That was, yeah. uh, 
that was Caroline's fear when I told her, like, hey, I got a cease and desist letter. She's like, oh, my God, Disney emailed you, didn't they? I was like, no, no, not Disney, not Disney, just uh, the shoe people. Yeah, no, they like, can, huh, that's weird. Yeah, they can go take a hike. Yeah, because I wonder how their cease and desist against Disney went. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, you're using our name, Mando. <laughs> yeah, um, we'll, we'll put that one in the circular file. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and with that little bit of legal advice, welcome <laughs> to the Sneaky Good Podcast. I'm your host, Poser. With me, as always, my producer, Chris. Say hello, Chris. Hello, Chris. You know, I really like the fact that we're kind of getting our George and Gracie joke just down. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, we're probably the only people literally pro- the- producing or listening to this podcast actually get what that means and where it comes from. There is one person who's like over 50 who's listening is <laughs> going, George Burns, I'm with you. <laughs> That's a joke. And as someone who does not understand that joke, hi, Max, how's it going? Yeah, I didn't get that at all. Um, <laughs> I've been looking at some Bama tapes this week, and look, I just don't know if we have quite a chance to win. Yeah, it's going to be nip and tuck. Nip and tuck. And also with us, our editor-in-chief of And the Valley Shook, Zach. For what? What does he burn? Huh? 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 What? I don't get it. All right, kids. Uh, Your homework for next week is to go out and at least watch Oh God and Oh Guard Part 2. Yeah. Oh God, you devil! Oh God, you devil! There, there you go. There you go. <laughs> or heck, even eighteen again. You know, like, yeah, let's go. That's a yeah, good one too. I'm, I'm willing to. I'll take any George Burns movie, really. Oh, wait, I thought uh, it was seventeen again. God, oh, I'm just. Um, oh God, Ken. Oh, Max. Guys, oh. You know the Zac Efron one? Yes. Yeah, we know. <sighs> we, we know. Oh. It's like having crackles on the on the podcast. Shut up, crackles! <laughs> Not now. <laughs> See, I don't get that. Either. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh my god! Even crackles has become a reference that's too old. <laughs> crackles, we still love you. We do. We love crackles. Have crackles come back on. <laughs> yeah, he's funny. I, I always go for funny. I'm I'm very lenient towards anything that's funny. And speaking of funny. The 2020 LSU football season. How's it going for you guys? Uh, uh, it's it's funny how bad they are. Hey, Is basic it? yeah, tragedy minus me equals comedy. So if you're not an LSU fan, I think this is objectively funny. Yeah, but we're LSU fans. Yeah, okay. There's there's that. Damn, you caught that, me in a that little problem right there. Yeah, caught me in a technicality. Ah, uh, no, I mean like, I'm all, right now just looking for the funniest outcome. And we were talking about this before we started recording. And I think the solution is that we should only play walk-ons against Alabama <laughs> because I think that would just make them even angrier. Do we still have Gordon McKernan's son on the roster? He could play quarterback. <laughs> yeah, you know. Heck, let's get people from the student body. You show up to the game, we'll get you some pads. We'll put you in a light bulb. Uh, 
and that way they can fulfill their dreams of playing football for LSU. Exactly. No scholarship, just walk right on. It'd be like Rudy, just a whole bunch of Rudys. Imagine how gritty the 2020 LSU football team would be thought of if it was 22 Rudys. Yeah, I'm talking 85 Rudys. It'd be the grittiest team ever. They'd have heart. Of course, the heart would be outside of their bodies and in the end zone, but... <laughs> and then feasted and upon by Alabama. If you, ask, if you ask half of hockey Twitter, heart is more important than talent. <laughs> you gotta have that grit. Yeah, you do. Yeah, Hey, look, you need to lay in front of the puck. You need to sacrifice your body. And if we were calling people out of the student body to play Alabama, they would certainly sacrifice their body. I would, if I were, look, if I were at LSU, right, I, I couldn't get injured. I couldn't get that injured if I just laid down the second anybody came close to me, right? Yeah, you think that, but I think you could get very injured. <laughs> I don't know. I think, I don't know. I, I played paintball this past weekend. I only got shot a couple of times because I hid the whole time. Yeah, see, <laughs> there are no trees on a football field. There's nothing to hide behind. Well, the, I mean, the the ground. Yeah, you, you can hit the deck. <laughs> you can hit it hard. Yeah, um, they actually are going to play the regular roster. Um, Ed Orgeron wanted to play this game. He, you know, he was insistent on it. Um, definitely, uh, the powers that be wanted to play this game because they want the paycheck. So this is ironically the first LSU home paycheck game in which <laughs> were the team signing up to get slaughtered. How cool is that? Yeah, that's super cool. I, I, that that check's going to be spattered in blood, but it's going to clear. It's going to be cashable. Yeah, as long as it clears. And like you said, Bowser. Oh, I mean, to his credit, I mean, he's also supposed to say this, but he never once said, "No, we don't want to play this game." He's always been adamant about we want to play this game. We love the Alabama game. Yada yada yada. He he's wanted to play this game. Well, guess what, Ed? You got this game. Yeah, I think he's. I don't think he's lying. I, I think he is really one of the. I think he was disappointed the game got canceled in the first place. He really wants this game, and yeah, I know it's tradition to play Alabama, but Alabama's one of the few teams this year that's good. Yeah, they're one of the four, five. I don't even know if there's five good teams this year, but they're definitely one of the two or three. And this is not a good LSU team, and. I mean, even if you're sitting there and you're trying to say, okay, how can LSU pull off the upset? Just try to imagine in your mind, go. No. They, they, they'd ha- I mean, they, they'd seriously have to start breaking some laws on the field. <laughs> A lot I, of PGs would have to be involved. I mean, the, the only thing I can think of as an equivalent is the famed uh, Pigs Fly game in 93 when – you know, an Alabama columnist said LSU might win, pigs might fly, and LSU ended up winning that game. And the way they won that game is basically that Alabama had a terrible quarter – well, not a terrible quarterback, but Jay Barker got hurt. And that kind of opened things up. And by the yeah, end of the game – happens. Bryce Young is coming in, and he's probably yeah. going to win five for next year. So. Yeah, they had David Palmer as a wide receiver playing quarterback in that game, and they almost came back. There's no yeah. There's no equivalent here. You're going up against a Heisman candidate, and yeah, there's a a future Heisman candidate behind him, and there's a five star at every position. It's when you stop to think about how good the top teams have gotten 
relative to everyone else. I mean, I'm not even talking about like how would a 2020 team play a 1990 team. I mean, the difference between the number one team in the country in 2020 versus the number 20 team now versus 30 years ago, the gap between the number one and the number 20 team, they have completely separated themselves from the field. I said this to my dad Saturday because I went home for Thanksgiving. After LSU's incredible year last year, I have so much more respect for Alabama now to just maintain this for a solid decade now. Uh, just just knocking out 10 win, 11 win, 12, 13, 14. Even, uh, they, they haven't had a 15 in those season yet, but just to constantly string together this many dominant seasons regardless of early departures, turnover on the coaching staff. Now, granted, they've never had uh, a, a pandemic to deal with, with players opting out prior to the season started, midway through the season started. But, I mean, you know, last year, um, Dylan Moses tore his ACL before camp started, I believe. And then this uh, – I can't remember his name. I think it's Trey Sanders, but they had a running back they really jazzed about. He got hurt. I mean – it just, regardless of the year, they just keep doing this every single season for a decade straight. And, you know, I was, it's cool that LSU had this one great season, but, you know, it's, I don't want to say one hit wonder, but just to maintain this, we haven't seen that yet. I'll say this is the difference. Alabama is the greatest college football dynasty in the history of college football. Nick Saban's Alabama team. It is it's better than Bud Wilkerson's Oklahoma, the Bear Bryant Alabama, Woody Hayes' Ohio State, Miami in the 80s. You name a dynasty, Alabama just dwarfs it. And this is how you can put it in perspective. Take Alabama out of your mind, right? Just pretend they don't exist for a second. LSU from 2001 to 2020 is ridiculously successful and is probably the most successful program in college football over that 20-year span, except for maybe Ohio State. They've had 19 consecutive eight-win seasons at least. They've won three national titles. They've won SEC titles. They've gone to a ton of major bowls. They have been consistently good, and they bring in top 10 recruiting classes almost every year. Okay, now bring Alabama back in your mind because you were just saying LSU is a one-hit wonder. That's how you thought of them. This is LSU is the best other program in the country, and what Alabama has done, they brought in I think seven or eight consecutive number one recruiting classes. They are winning twelve plus games every season. They've won you know four or five national titles. I've lost count. Their level. This is what I'm talking about. The difference between number one and number five is so great. It is truly mind-boggling how much they have distanced from the field in a way that no program has done in the past. The best program is just we, – we, and the thing is we have to compare ourselves to them because they're in our same division. Forget about same conference. Yeah. But if you remove Alabama and maybe Ohio State – What's another? What's a program that's been more successful than LSU over the past twenty years? Yeah, you, you can't say Clemson because it hasn't been twenty years. You can't say Florida State because that fizzled out in the early twenty tens. Uh, Florida after the Tebow run and 
07. Yeah. Florida's it, at least in the conversation, though. Know. I'll, you know, I'll at least say Florida's been very good the entire time. They only had one really stinker of a year. Notre Dame. I mean, USC has been down the last couple of years. They're not totally awful now. They, but I mean, this is what I'm talking about. People, you know, already saying, well, LSU was a flash in the pan. It was a one season wonder. No, they are arguably the second best program in the country. And that is the gap between them and Alabama. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is going back to your Alabama out of our mind scenario, that doesn't happen. LSU has several more SEC titles, a couple of college football playoff appearances, possibly. And yeah, I'm not even out of that. I'm not even going to give them credit for that. I'm saying, like, what they actually did is amazing. Yes. And you have to play Alabama every year. Yeah. yeah. And you have to beat Alabama every year just to make the SEC championship game. Yeah. 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 And, and the thing is, when people compare LSU to Ohio State and Clemson, look at their conference schedules. If LSU were in their conference, of course, outside of this year, they would be doing the same thing. Yeah, they, you know, there's Oklahoma. They win the Big 12 every year. And then, you know, kind of... Then what happened? Yeah, Look and then... To them. Yeah, they haven't really done anything in the postseason, you know, for... I don't, I don't know, it's been like 10 years since they've really scared you. And that's... That's not... Ref- and Oklahoma is a great, great program. But that is, the once again, the gap between Alabama and everyone else. And... If I can stress one thing over, you know, 10 or 15 years now of writing on LSU football, you just can't compare this team to this Alabama dynasty. It is literally the greatest dynasty in college football history, and it is not close. There is no one even in their galaxy except for maybe that Bud Wilkerson team of Oklahoma that won, what was it, 50 games in a row? I don't know the actual number, but it was a lot. And, you know, if I'm comparing you to the team from the 50s, let that be your guide. Yep. Hey, before we before we keep looking ahead, I think we need to reflect on Saturday. Okay. I think the most disappointing thing, would anybody, does anybody think LSU, this LSU team has played its best game of the 2020 season yet? God. Well, I mean, yeah, by logical definition, of course they have. They've played a best game. They have. No, but I, I think if you're saying like the SMP, where they say if you pl- you can play anywhere between zero percent and a hundred percent of your actual capability, I don't think LSU has come. No, they're not even close. I don't think they've come close to the top twenty percentile. You know that top quartile. I don't either, and it's a shame that on the first and frankly only good defensive performance of the season. It was wasted with just an a horribly inept offensive game, and I just I don't know. Especially looking at the remainder of the schedule, Alabama, Florida, and who knows what the mindset will be come Ole Miss. I don't know if we'll see that best game. No, of course they won't see that best game. But I mean, who cares? Like they really like Billy was tweeting about this earlier. They need to just get done with this. This needs to just be over. Yeah, I mean, there's a shot they have their their best game against Ole Miss. But yeah, you're right. This was I, – I forgot who tweeted out, but someone said this A&M game is so frustrating because LSU has 
on the one hand looked absolutely terrible, yet at the same time I'm upset they're not winning. <laughs> and yeah. I think this game was truly an attainable win. Which, oh, yeah, sure. I, I mean, A&M just looked awful. Uh, I, and this is not us trying to pump the tires on LSU. A&M did not – Missouri I thought was a much more impressive team. I, I wish there was a way to quant. I'm sorry, Max. I just I wish there was a way to quantify worst number five teams ever because I think that might be this A and M team. I mean, and I know like, hey, two teams had a bad offensive game, so maybe it was the defensive performances. Uh, no, it was not the defensive performances. It, this was just bad offense. They yeah. were, yeah. They're just almost all of A and M's offense basically came on two runs. You know, and you know. Good for those two runs. You know, that's what LSU does is they give up big plays. But by and large, they kept the big plays down. I do think the critic this LSU team is not good enough to overcome bad luck. And right. I and I think them taking the ref taking away that touchdown that would have made it 10 to 7 in the second quarter was a backbreaker. Because this team, this team could not recover from that kind of bad break, particularly because it was then the very next play, Finley throws an interception. Well, to that point, the post remember against Arkansas, they overturned, uh, or I don't know if it was overturned. I guess it was upheld as incomplete, but that what we thought was a touchdown pass to Ty Davis Price, truly drove down the field, and he. Because I wrote about it, he they still scored that touchdown, so. Like he 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 has done it before, but again, that is a lot to ask from a freshman quarterback, especially as I'm sure Max is just talking about it to just go after uh, the LSU offensive line. Yeah, I think it was the, the whole drive in total because it felt like at that moment things were turning. Like they got in that big stop, and then in two plays, LSU gets down the field. They score in three plays, score a touchdown, and then it's taken away. And then the fourth play, you throw an interception. And I, so I, I think, so, and uh, honestly, the fact that that interception was not reviewed, it looked like the ball might have touched the ground, but, you know, whatever. The, the yeah. game's the game. College station refs are going to college station ref. You, you just got to expect that. Uh, but that was someone, definitely. Oh, I was just going to say, someone else mentioned, and I, I don't know if it was one of uh, the guys on the staff or just an LSU person I follow on Twitter, but talking about bad luck. Any other year, I think LSU takes that fumble and brings it all the way back. You know, that, that's a weird bounce yeah. of the ball. Maybe chalk that up to the weather and the turf being bad. But you know, any normal season, that's a scooping score. Yeah, I, I think that's very possible. Um, yeah, they just – they could never get that play to get things going. It, it, the LSU offense the entire night – well, until the fourth quarter. So I'll say the first three quarters felt like it was stuck in mud – but there was a chance it was going to get out of it. And they just needed that spark, and then things were going to get going. And I felt that's kind of what that drive in the second quarter, which turned out to do nothing, it was going to be that spark. I, I think if LSU scores that touchdown, I think they score another touchdown before the half. And I think they go in the half leading 14-10, to 10, changes the entire complexion of the second half. You know, A&M wasn't going to do anything with the ball. Finley probably doesn't throw the pick six in that in scenario. Maybe LSU wins the game like they did a couple years ago, when, what we thought was going to be Miles' last game, where they just kind of just wear A&M down. I, I think the play was that critical. I, I think it completely changed just the mentality of the team. And this team, I don't want to say they're soft, 
because I, I don't think that's true, but they're definitely not hard. <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, agreed. But I will say that they were never going to – I really don't think they were going to get any form of sustained offense because they really just couldn't block. Like Mike Elko had their number in protections. Um, TJ Finley's not good enough to overcome it. Not Frankly, not even close. And just the fact that they were in an in inappropriately packed Kyle Field that night. It's just a nasty environment. Yeah, what was up with that? I mean, the like – <laughs> That was uncomfortable. Like, it's been so long since I've seen a packed stadium. Like, hearing a crowd noise like that made me uncomfortable. Yeah, me too. Like, if I'm watching TV, like, I I brought this up, I think, after the podcast a couple weeks ago. But I was watching John Adams, the HBO series, a couple couple weeks ago. Classic. And there was, yeah, it's fantastic. And he got back off the boat from France, and there's this crowd to greet him and in the back of my head my first thought is there's not a single mask in that crowd <laughs> yeah and they had a lot of disease that was uh colonial right. times there they, they right. were not healthy <laughs> but like just the fact that there was certainly no covid19 um and the fact that it's so ingrained in my head at this point i was just uncomfortable the whole game it was in the back of my mind the whole game yeah that was it was weird like it just it was unsettling I don't think it played a factor in the game. This is not like we lost because A and M had cr- people in the crowd, and that's unfair. No, it, didn't help, it didn't help them mentally either. None of that. I'm saying, as someone who was halfway watching at home, because I do not want to say that I was entirely engaged in this one, but as someone who was halfway watching at home, I was like, I am not used to this noise. And honestly, that's what you would expect from a football game. It, it's amazing how quickly our minds adjusted to the COVID world. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it wasn't a factor. LSU lost because LSU is bad at football this year. It's oh. it, it was just something that, honestly, I hated. It was uncomfortable. But it's just the offense, particularly the offensive line, they're, not, they're kind of unwilling to throw on early downs and kind of make things easier. But even when they did, they weren't successful. So I'm not too mad about it. Uh, it's just... It's just a shame that, you know, Steve Ensminger called the uh, the heavier quarterback Terra's abdomen in week three play. I mean, that was just a terrible call. It's yeah, some, a really yeah. questionable call by Ensminger. Yeah. yeah, to get us yeah. – you know, it's one of those things. Look, this season has been lost – honestly, you know, it's since week one, this has been a mulligan season. I mean, I was calling it the mulligan season before the season started – but certainly once Brennan goes down, like this was a chance to, you know, check out what you had with your quarterbacks. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's one of the first time we've ever been ahead of the game in quarterback development in like 20 years. Cause LSU has been scrambling and desperate for quarterback play for a very long time. It, it, and it's sort of like snowballed. Like it all, you know, if you go back to the Paraloo transfer yeah, from, that, from that point on, LSU has been in this weird rushing guys too early and, you know, not being sure what they had. This was a great year just to have two guys go out there. It doesn't matter if you win or lose, see what you got. You know, if nothing else, you have the thing where Max, you know, where um, Brennan will come back next year anyway, or if they're great, Brennan transfers out. So you have the greatest safety net in history, essentially see what you had and Finley looked good at first, but this game was 
awful. I, I mean, this was honestly, I, I know people have kind of brought up like Brandon Harris stuff. This, no, that's not fair. This was Jared Lee. Fair, this was Jared Lee, where a good quarterback who has a good arm, may, you know, makes good plays, is starting to feel the psychological effects of just bad things happening to him. And 2008, I just think, ruined Jared Lee forever. He just threw so many pick sixes. He just never, and I think the staff as well, just never got over that trauma. And TJ Finley is now proving to have a knack for throwing just back-breaking interceptions. And I'm worried not about his talent so much as I'm worried about him psychologically, what this happens going forward. I think on the flip side, Max Johnson, I just don't think is good enough to be an sec starter. He, he could be a backup, you know, he's a nice guy to have on your program, but I don't think he's, he's not the future. Yeah. I actually, I asked my dad something similar when they took Finley out the second time. Do you think they lost him for good? No. Yeah, I, I didn't like that. I think they might have. I think that's the kind of thing that damages a quarterback forever. Uh, I, yes. I, I'm not going to say it did, but is there a danger? Yes. I, I think they might have irreparably damaged him forever. Yeah, I mean, this is, you know, you talked about this being the safety net, but there's nothing more dangerous you can do for a quarterback's development than throwing them to the wolves before they're ready. And I think more than anything else, more than getting pulled, which I don't know. I mean, maybe it's also true that it was kind of the plan, like the whole time to work them in and out. But I mean, maybe, you know, I'm not in that room, but like, I just think that playing behind an offensive line that is really bad and you just getting hit before you can really get through your progressions, and you not really being, you know, advanced enough to really work around that. That that's going to ruin you because you're going to start thinking about getting hit every drop back, and that happens to quarterbacks. Yeah, they get the you know they get the happy feet, and yeah, and they just start Sam Darnold. And honestly, like for such a well-regarded receiving core, unless your name is Terrence Marshall, you have not really helped your guy out. I mean, Eric Gilbert for all of his hype, he needs a perfect ball to catch it right now, and that is. I mean, I know he's a freshman, so that's putting a lot of pressure on the kid. But we're talking greatest tight end recruit ever. He has done almost nothing to help out a yeah. struggling quarterback, and that is not good. Unfortunately, they've kind of tailored the offense away from him out of necessity with Finley. Like you saw it with the Missouri game, that they were they were starting to really work him in and really starting to play to his strengths. Like they were sending him downfield, they were sending him all over in that first quarter and then he injured his shoulder and then miles Brennan tore his abdomen. And then you had to go just like RPOs and single key quick stuff eternally because TJ Finley, you know, is a true freshman and he can't really throw the ball down the field because he's not very accurate. So I think that's just super unfortunate, but yeah, he's kind of got the dropsies a little bit. So yeah, he's got to get, he needs yeah, a summer and, of a thousand catches. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's missed some important catches like, Third down throws, you know, balls to the stick. Like, I think one of Finley's biggest problems is that he doesn't have a guy outside of Marshall who's more of a big play guy that he can rely on. Like, if you think of almost every LSU quarterback, they've had a – even if it's not your best receiver, they've had a receiver they could count on. They had their security blanket. And 
there's no security blanket right now. If LSU needs a catch, who do they throw the ball to? Nobody yeah. now. There's, you know, there's no Justin Jefferson. There's no Jarvis Landry. There's yeah. no there's no Josh uh, Reed. Yeah, you know, or you know, even before I, I mean, I think uh, you know Dwayne Bow made a bunch of big catches. Just guys who can make tough catches in traffic. He doesn't have a guy who can do that. Who just kind of goes over the middle and makes. I mean, even going back to Curly Holman, there was Shedrick Wilson. I mean, I'm not talking a big play, bust the game open guy. I think we have guys like that. I think Dre Jenkins can be that guy, but he kind of needs McMath to be that guy who can make catches. He's hurt though. Yeah, he's hurt, and that, you know yeah. that's. You know, and I, he really needs Gilbert to be that guy, and Gilbert cannot be that security blanket, and that is r- one of the many things hurting this offense. I, it all starts from the offensive line. I think we can all agree on that. Right, yeah. they're terrible. I want to, I want to talk to Will Blackwell about this. I just, I can't get, I can't understand because they have. I'm going to look at the roster. I believe they have 13 scholarship offensive linemen. So they have the numbers, like they have the the quantity, but just the, the quality. Where is it? They're just like low. You know, four, is, they're just low four stars mostly. I mean, honestly, not, I, don't even, I don't even think there's a lot of four stars. There's there's more three stars than you think in there. Yeah, I mean, probably. like, and uh, other guys that like oh talk so much about him that we heard so much about, like Cardell Thomas. You can't we can't even find him. Oh spent the whole summer saying Anthony Bradford's the best offensive lineman they got. Has he taken a snap? I mean, yeah, just, no, it's who, who's developing these. Like, I know literally who's developing these guys. It's Craig, but like, y- you understand what I'm saying? Like, where's the development? No, I agree. Yeah, and also, where's your rock? I mean, where's your Damian Lewis? I, I mean, Lewis is not going to ever be the greatest lineman in the history of LSU football. But at the same time, he was a guy week in, week out. You knew what you were going to get. Like, this is a guy you can rely on. And with offensive line play, you need that. You yeah. thought you thought it would be at Ingram, but yeah, I agree, and it hasn't been. No, it's not. It it hasn't been him. I remember Jason Hines looked good in you know the early part of his career for a hot minute, but he's been like arguably the worst player in the SEC at this well, point. And, and also, how much of his at with offensive linemen, it's hard to judge anybody individually. I, I mean, it's it's such a collective failure. Yeah, that true. it's it's hard to say. Well, this guy can't do anything because you don't know who's covering for who for missing one assignment. They're just bad the whole way around. And the longest run from scrimmage was six yards against A and M. Was six. it a running back? Yeah. Okay, I, I thought it might have been Johnson. No, I'm, 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 I'm not counting quarterback runs, but like okay, okay. But between uh, you know Davis Price and Emery, their longest run was six yards. That is. I, I mean, I don't even know how to put that into words. That's just unfathomably bad. Yeah, and, that's, that's brutal. And look, I mean, I know they're getting hit in the backfield. I know they don't have much space. But, I mean, now that I you know said that, you know, Gilbert has to, you know, catch a, a bad pass every once in a while. I mean, every or TDP, they've got to make a play once in a while. Or Chris Curry, you're 18. Yeah. Uh, it's... Well, the problem with Chris Curry is that he's just not very talented. Yeah, I'm, 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 that's mean but fair. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 
Look, we, mean, it's the SEC West. We, we it's gotta, relative. When we say not, not very talented, we yeah, don't mean uh, he's better than any person you've ever met. But that's, that's true. <laughs> but yeah, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, it's just like you you when they do get space, you need them to make a play, and they just haven't done it. And I, I think that was one of the big problems with the game against A and M is that you can't rely on the running game at all. And once again. We all know what starts with the offensive line, so I don't want to s- single the running backs out. It took us a while to get to the running backs, but again, it comes. There comes a point. You know, somebody's there. There have been some holes. It's not like every play is misblocked. I mean, pretty much every play, like almost every play. <laughs> yes, but, but mind. <laughs> when you say almost, there's still the one or two that aren't, and that's when you need to make a gain. I mean, they, they can't do anything. It's God. The offense was so. So bad, but and let's put this the same number of yards as AM. Well, Kellen Mond yeah. is terrible, terrible, and I've been slandering him for two years now. And I was watching a bunch of AM tape in preparation for the uh, the preview, and I was like, Oh, you know, he's he, he took him the best offensive line in the country, which is still really good, by the way. Took him the best offensive line in the country, but he's kind of having a good year. And oh my god, he threw it all in the garbage, he was so bad. <laughs> I mean, guys were open. Like, they screamed guys open. LSU was playing straight man-to-man coverage the whole game because they can't play anything else because they don't know what they're doing because Bo Pelini is still terrible. (laughs) And, like, I I don't want to hear, let's keep Bo Pelini after this performance. No, Kellen Mond was putting balls in the dirt. Like, this was Kellen Mond's fault. The defense played better, especially up front. Yeah, no, I I think the big difference is – Baskerville out there really made a difference. Yeah, and Stingley looked so much better. And Jabril Cox. I was going to say, Cox playing on you know the tight end, he was outstanding. He had didn't show up on the stat sheet. He only had two tackles, but he, he was everywhere. Yeah. He, he, he that was not the whole game. He wasn't you know making run fits. He was out there in space. Yeah, it, that was it's honestly this is my brief defense of Bo Pelini. I do not think we should keep him. So let's just say that up front. This is what a Bo Pelini defense could do against a pro style offense, which no one runs anymore. So if it was 2002, Bo Pelini's defense still works. The problem is, is that A&M is the only team that runs an offense that's basically outdated. So, Congratulations, Bo Pelini. You can stop a offense that's 20 years behind the time helmed by a quarterback who is terrible. Right. If Kellen Mond were anywhere close to accurate, they still put up like 38 points, though. It's not like the defense worked all that well. I mean, they're actually pretty spread out. They use a lot of empty protections because of how good their line is. But they got a lot. Of, look, they got a lot of tackles behind the line, much more than AM did. So from a statistical standpoint, they got more pressure. Um, yeah, I mean, like the not defense, run well outside of a couple of you know they you know A and M couldn't move the ball pretty much ever you know they they needed the occasional big run play and you know when there was a, basically when Baskerville was off the field uh, the the defense showed that it could play against offenses that are well behind the time and I, I think that sums up Bo Pelini perfectly like yeah. he is he is a defensive it's not that he lost it it's that offenses developed and he didn't develop with them. Right, Bo Pelini is the best defensive coordinator of 2006. Yeah, or maybe 2003, but yes. 
somewhere there's a Bears slash Texas A&M fan out there who's just losing their mind every single weekend, having to pull for Kellen Mond and Mitch Trubisky, and you should check on that person if that's in, if he's in your life. Oh my god! In Kellen Mond's defense, he's been way better than Trubisky and Foles for most of this year. Like he was fantastic against Florida, as bad as Florida's defense is, but like. Oh my god. And he and you know what? He's been terrible for like two years now. So you know. He was never gonna suddenly become good. If yeah, if they end up in the playoff by some technicality, it's gonna be very, very, very ugly when they lose to Alabama again by probably even more. Yeah, but now I feel bad for the Chicago um Aggie out there. So um you're in you're in our prayers. Um on that I mean, we're we're back to the Alabama game. I mean, what are we looking for? I mean, obviously not a win, but like, what do you want to see out of LSU in this game? I would like to see LSU score its first points at home against Alabama in six years. That's okay. right. I don't even think that's going to happen. <laughs> I don't know. I'm watching. I'm watching Mac Jones right now at this point. Like, I'm I'm watching Mac Jones this weekend. I'm you mean future Jones. Saints quarterback Mac Jones? Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> he is so, like, Mac, I honestly think that I don't care what the numbers are and how good Bama is. You can't give Mac Jones the Heisman because he's just so boring. Hey, well, boring can win. I know boring, but boring is, I don't know. I, I, I Kyle Trask is at least, you know, kind of, kind of a, got some crackhead energy there at quarterback. So that's he's at least kind of fun, but Mac Jones is just he's one he's not very athletic. He's got a weaker arm than Joe Burrow, which is unbelievable. But the thing is, he's such a good processor and he's so accurate, and that's gonna really and you know he has the best receivers and the best offensive line in the country. I mean, that's the thing is like they lose Judy and yeah, that really slowed him down. I, I mean, it's just I it's mean, not fair, man. Man. I mean, they've got five stars. They've got five stars behind five stars, behind more five stars. And their three-star quarterback. And they're just, they're so ridiculously loaded. And, I, I mean, you, you sit there, I'm like, I can't even imagine what the pathway to victory is. There isn't one. They're going to uh, lose by 40 points. I mean, look, you know, you mathematically speaking, there, you know, there has to be a chance somehow, like if you run the simulation a thousand times, LSU is going to win two or three at least, but I just don't see how you do it. Well, I think, I don't know. It, it's got to rain a lot. Like it, you got, it's got to, it's got a hurricane. It's got to be muddy. It's yeah. got to go. be like that three, nothing Monday night game from like a decade ago. Hey, look, the 1979 LSU team wasn't very good. And they almost beat USC should have had it not been for a terrible call. So Yeah. This is going to be, oh my God, this is going to be terrible. But I am looking forward to after the game, it not being some longstanding referendum like it was every year. So it was like, this just shows how far out LSU is behind Alabama and that how they won't catch them anytime soon. We caught them last year. You know, we kind of, the monkey's off our back. Yeah. And also, yeah, then that's, goes back to the other thing is like, no one has caught Alabama, which has always been my point about that ridiculous referendum it's like yeah i i know lsu's behind alabama that's everyone like that doesn't make you special like no one has caught them and yeah they're 
third head of the field. Like, so congratulations on your 2020 COVID title already. And with that, let's go to the question bag. All right. Jacob Hibbard wants to know, what is the better job, Texas or Michigan? Oh, Texas. <laughs> Wait. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. I, I thought about that too uh, when I first saw it. And yeah, I I'm, just when you think you have an answer with one of them, you think about the other and you're kind of like, I don't know. I'm going to go with Michigan because A, you kind of have a state to yourself. I know Sparty exists, but let's be honest. Michigan's going to get seven out of the top ten. And Texas, it's not the same. You know, they'll be, even if they had a great recruiting head coach, they'd be lucky to get five out of the top 10. There's just too many hands in that pot, even though Texas is a much more loaded state. But also, as unreasonable as Michigan boosters are, uh, they've been conditioned. You can live forever there going eight and three. I mean, you know, just ask Gary Muller. Um, Texas, those people are insane. They. Yeah. I, I, on Twitter, I didn't even mean it as an insult. I was just like, man, Texas just feels fundamentally broken right now. And I think it's beyond a coaching change. Like, and I don't know what the solution is, but something has to change. And like then Texas fans who I'd never heard of started like just hurling epithets at me. I'm like, sorry for not knowing the solution, dude. But like, what, you think things are going well? Texas. <sighs> They they were uh, after they went lost like forty games and made the Sugar Bowl by technicality and beat Georgia. They were they were uh, they were uh, they were pretty. That was a pretty good off season for them. And then you know it all melted away. And like it, but I was so sure Tom Herman was going to work out there is the thing, and it really looked like it was going to happen. But like. And now that they're starting to lose recruits, I just yeah, I, I like Tom Herman a lot. I, I mean, I wanted him to be LSU's coach, so we missed that bullet. But at the same time, I think it shows how much missing on quarterback can ruin a program. Yeah, because Ellinger, God, he is the worst kind of bad quarterback because he's, he's not good. Bad. That's he's exactly not bad. that's exactly where you're going right there, and that's I what makes him so. Is, he's the why. guy who his talent is tantalizing. You can see it and you want it to work. And the guy just makes some of the most horrific decisions and just sinks you every time. He is, he's a quarterback. You cannot bench. He's too good to bench and he's not good enough to win with. And that's, that's killer in college oh, football. I think, he's, I think he's good enough to win with. I, I, I think the rest of the team is just bad. I don't think he's anywhere. In, I don't think he's a prospect. But, like, you can't – it's hard to convince me that he's necessarily a ton worse than, like, Ian Book has been for, like, the last three years. And I get that Ian Book's playing great football right now, but he's got, you know, one of the best offensive lines in the country and everything. So, like, no, I think if Sam Ellinger – if his teams had a better defense and, you know, more talent around him, I, I think they would – I think they could have won. I don't think they could have won a national title with him because, I mean, look, we've seen what kind of quarterback you need. Joe Burrow, like they need, they needed Joe Burrow to be as good as he was, or they were losing that game to Trevor Lawrence. Like, he's not that good, but he's not the problem. Uh, I'll say Texas. I didn't get a chance to answer the question. I'll say Texas only because if I meant Michigan, I, I, I 
keep getting pants by Ohio State every single year, and I don't need that. Yeah, but you, do you want to get pants by Oklahoma? Yeah, I could beat Oklahoma. Yeah, but I mean, like, when's the last time Texas won the Big Twelve? Oh, a long time ago. I mean, like, they're, the expectations to actual results for Texas is off the charts. And it's not, like, new. I'm talking from, like, 1975 on. It's amazing how little Texas has accomplished despite their reputation. Yeah, I mean, Mac Brown really did a lot for him. He really did. I, I mean, pretty good coach. they did not appreciate how awesome Mac Brown was. I don't think any of us did. Man, he did a great. He's been doing a great job in North Carolina. Yeah, great job. He's he's just really good at coaching football. Yeah. So yeah, I would take the Michigan job. There's more job security. Yeah, I would take Michigan. And I wouldn't have to deal with Texas boosters. Who? Plus, have... I like it up there. I like the Great Lakes. Eh, and they're great. I mean, what are you gonna? <laughs> All right. Speaking of great. Since we are now past Thanksgiving and getting closer to Christmas, what is your favorite Christmas movie, and why is it Home Alone? Well, it's not. Oh, God. (laughs) It's not. Home Alone. Come on. That was just the listener question. I don't agree either. Who asked that question? Uh, That that would be an unnamed uh, listener at this point. Let's just leave it at that. Let me find out who asked that question, and I'll ban them from the website. Uh, (laughs) It's Elf. Elf is the best. That's that, my wife's favorite. That's one of my top. Yeah, if, if I just have to pick a random Christmas movie to watch and enjoy at any particular point in time, it's always going to be Elf. Yeah, I, actually, which shows Christmas a lot of recency bias, but best. you know, what's that, Zach? A Christmas Story is the best, actually. See, I still go old school. I love my It's a Wonderful Life, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Streets. No, it's in black and white. Oh, definitely black and white. Yeah, got through the whole. Yeah, uh, but I, I mean, I admit my wife, Elf is her favorite. I don't know. Like, I love It's a Wonderful Life. It's just when you actually think about it, what a depressing Christmas movie. It's basically a, just a series of kicks to the nuts to that guy. And then it's just like, hey, well, you didn't kill yourself. Congratulations, happy ending. Like that's you know, you know it's a better movie than I remember. Tim Allen's Santa Claus, the first one especially, oh, that's yeah. a really magical, enjoyable movie. I'll give you the first one. There's a point of diminishing returns with the sequels, but yeah, the first one's pretty good. It's it's not awful. That's yeah, I like that movie. Uh, I mean, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer always just scare me as a kid because of the Yeti. And okay, I want I wanted nothing to do with that guy. All of the Rake and Bass. Um, stop motion animation specials are amazing. Yeah, they are amazing. Just all of them. Uh, the Year Without Santa Claus is great. It's not my favorite. I mean, but just the 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 story of Santa Claus. Just all of the just they're weird. I mean, just genuinely <laughs> weird. And oh, I'm a huge fan. Uh, all of them. I will always stop down for Rake and Bass. The, those guys were doing a lot of drugs. <laughs> hey, Yukon Cornelius is one of the best characters they've got going. So, 
Yeah, I, I saw someone on I, on Twitter. I don't know who who said it, but their theory is that Yukon Cornelius is the is the illegitimate son of Santa Claus. <laughs> I love it. And I, That's and I was great. Like, that that makes so much sense. Right. <laughs> See, I said about him today that he is the future conservatives want because he's got his little gun and his beard. And he's all in the North Pole. Yeah, but he's searching for gold. But he helps out people. He helps the whole island, you know, island of misfit toys. Oh wait, never mind. And are we all misfit toys? We are. That's the that's the lesson there. <laughs> yeah, but like, see, Rudolph. As I've grown up, I don't really have any respect for Rudolph anymore because they were just cruel to him about his nose, and then they needed his nose, and he helped them. Yeah, he was the he was the bigger reindeer. No, he can't. No. I see. I, I, the bigger I, reindeer, and he did do something when he helped them. What he did is he used it as a way to help the Island of the Misfit Toys. So it wasn't just about fitting in and helping Santa Claus. He helped other people who wanted to find children who would love them. So he used his power of authority. Once he was given a you know privilege and authority, he used it to help others. Don't you go knocking Rudolph? I'm here. I, I, I'm, I'm here for him. Had all the other reindeer replaced. He should have had them fired. He's like, look, this is a, this is going to be a hostile work environment for me. I hold on. See, he's he's good hearted. Learn the, something. Butcher the bullying reindeer for meat and send him. You know, send him to the states. I'll have Man, he, you wanted to murder his dad. Like, <laughs> well, you know, yeah. <laughs> That, he was he was the Tywin Lannister of reindeer. <laughs> Though I do have to say, what always strikes me whenever I watch that is just how much of a jerk Santa is. Santa's, yeah. he's he's awful. Yeah, Santa like, does just... not come off well in, in the Rudolph show. No, <laughs> it's like what kind of freak is your son? I <laughs> <laughs> <Like>, whoa, Santa. <laughs> he could do it himself. He's you know he's the one flying. He's the one flying, and Santa's just profiting off him. <laughs> Reindeer of the world, unite. <laughs> All right, moving on from Christmas movies. This is going to be a really easy one to answer, and I imagine it will be the shortest answer uh, f- from all three of you, though, then again, it is the three of you, and so I would expect nothing less to get long-winded answers in return. But based on what you've seen the last two weeks, is it safe to say that the problem with Polini was a lack of an off-season, or was it just him being truly terrible? You know, actually, it's both. Because the fact the fact that they just didn't know what their assignments were, that's the off-season. But the fact that his defense is dated, that's Polini. It's both. But at the same time, the fact that he couldn't get his defense installed is, you know, that wasn't a problem for other people. And they all had outbreaks and stuff. So that's pretty. That's a pretty derelict job there, Bo. Like that's that's part of the problem. So it's it's both. It's both, and that's even worse. Yeah, Max Max swayed me. I mean, I, I'm starting to come around. That it's not all entirely on just outwardly terribleness. I mean, Polini, for as much as we rag on him, he knows more football than I will ever know. And you know this. It's the year from hell and all that. But at the same time, it is pretty outdated. But 
if you had a real spring and a real summer to get up to speed and maybe adjust, maybe it's a little bit better than historically worst ever LSU defense. It would have been much better. It would have actually been serviceable against inferior teams that you can out-talent, and then it would have just blown up against Alabama and Florida. Like, they would have been a 9-3 and team. There's just there's too much talent for them to be this bad. So that that right because they don't know their assignments because of the off season and because Pelini is bad at teaching them. Don't listen to these soft headed people. It's all Bo Pelini's fault and he's terrible. And not no amount of time in the world would make him good. Still stinks. Get rid of him. Right, he would have been bad, but the talent would have masked it against most teams, and then they would have given up fifty to Alabama, which is worse. Which is worse because they would have kept him. They're gonna keep him anyway. I know. I know. <laughs> I, uh, uh. They can't afford not to. Oh, well, God. yeah, they can. They can't. They can't afford to. Like, if it starts costing them recruits and ruins your program. Yeah, I think that's what. It is. There's to not fire him is a. It's you can talk about oh we can't afford it first off lsu doesn't have a whole lot of dead money contracts walking around right now unlike a lot of other programs on the flip side is, yeah it's it's a it's an investment in the future cuz he's going to start costing you recruits and he's going to kill the money tree and you got to protect the money tree which right. is why we're why we're playing alabama this weekend i mean can you afford to <laughs> keep him at this i don't think you can afford to keep him no i don't believe we can so, right. next question. All right, let's move to the other side of the ball. Uh, Jacob Hibbard comes back with, LSU has a reputation under miles of top offensive lines, but it never felt real. What was the last truly dominant offensive line LSU has had? Last year, when they won the Joe no. Moore. Nah, I don't no. even think that line was dominant. Yes. It, it, it was so good that they operated in five-man protections like 90% of the time, which is really only possible in theory. The, fa- the fact that they could be relied to hold hold the guys that they had to account for, like they gave up a fair amount of sacks because whenever teams would blitz, they would get a free rusher, and you can't always get out of that. Sometimes LSU would just eat the sack and just acknowledge the fact that you know they're going to have five guys in the concept every single time, and that just sometimes happens. But the fact that they could count on those guys to hold their blocks when they had to account for somebody was unbelievable for the offense. It was unbelievable. And the fact that they had Joe Burrow. It, yeah, it, that's, the, that's the factor. They had Burrow it, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, which covered up a lot of issues. And I'm, look, I'm not saying the line was bad last year, but I do think best line in the country award was... No, it didn't, no they, I think they were the third or fourth best line in the country. Like, it was... It was a line that produced better than they were because of how quickly Burrow could make reads and the fact that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was basically un- untackleable in the backfield. Right, but so, the fact that when they had free rushers, it was only one guy in like six-man rushes, and they always held the blocks they were asked to hold. And Bur- Burrow just knew when he was hot, and that helped against blitzes. Now, like you look at you look at when teams would rush four, Burrow was sitting back there forever forever and i just so i think they were and i was on your your side on this before i started really kind of diving in deeper when the all 22 came out but like i think i don't think they were the best in the country i think that was silly i think that was 
a result of the LSU award momentum train, which is why Grant Delpit won the Thorpe that he deserved the year prior. So that's a wash anyway. Yeah, was, I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I think they were like, you know, three or four, definitely behind Oregon, Georgia, maybe Alabama. I think they were an elite line, the line itself. I think if they had, you know, used more six and seven man protections, I don't think Burrow gets touched. Uh, to answer the question, I think the 11 line, I remember them being really That's good. Exa- that uh, is exactly Black- like the 2011 all American. Uh, you had freshman Lyle Collins. Uh, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off poster. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like this is how good the 2011 offensive line was. Okay. First off your starters going across. I, Cause I, I had this up and ready. I don't have it memorized. You had Falk, Bear, Lonergan, Blackwell, Hurst. And the fact that you remember all of those guys 10 years later and their offensive linemen s- speaks well to them. And they still had backups like Lyle Collins and Josh Williford, who would later become and you know later become bigger contributors. But that's not even where we get into how good they were. The 2011 LSU offense was one of the better offenses in the country. Uh, yeah, you know, when, it came to sco- when it became the scoring points and gaining yards, all right? I mean, they weren't – it wasn't last year's offense, but they were really good, all right? Here were their key – you know, their position – you know, their glamour position starters. Ruben Randall – okay, they had Odell Beckham, but it was – this was Odell Beckham as a sophomore. Jarrett Lee at – yeah, I'm sorry, freshman. Jarrett Lee at at quarterback and um, Russell Shepard with a running back of Spencer Ware, who is a really good running back but isn't all-world. They were a dominant offense with good personnel in the glamour positions. That offensive line carried the 2011 offense. Yes, it did. Um, until it, like, it was great. And them getting murdered by Alabama had a lot to do with scheme. It was just not like they played right into what Alabama did at a level that could not be matched. So I'm not blaming them for that, but like, yeah, they no, they were great. What am I saying? They were amazing. Yeah, I mean, like, look, that game was still six nothing at halftime, and we're not going to pin that one on the line. They were just bad. Like Jarrett Lee and Jordan Jefferson were, they were bad. They were really bad. I mean, they weren't really bad, but the fact is, they made them look a lot better because they were behind that line. When your best playmaker was Russell Shepard, and I like Russell Shepard, but. No, he it was, was Randall. Ruben Randall was good. Yeah, Ruben Randall, Randall was good. But even Randall's a little bit of a disappointment. Like, these are not guys who are just like, oh my God, these are the greatest players who ever played at LSU. And this room of the 2011 team was awesome. Yeah. Um, and it's all because of the offensive line. I think that's the last time we've ever been like, we're good because the line is good. I, I think the offensive line is definitely going to take a back seat last year because of how great the skill players were. I totally agree with that. Yeah. A lot of what they did was possible because of how well they handled their one-on-ones. Yeah, but my point is they were getting a lot of help from all of the... Right, but they were also getting a lot of you know not help by the scheme that demanded them to be in empty protections on every play. Like, nobody asks that. Jamar Chase was open on every play. Every play, Jamar Chase was open. They have three NFL wide receivers. I mean, that, that offense, it, it, we're, we're going to keep looking back on that 2019 team as just, oh, my God. 
Like, what a ridiculous collection of talent. Right. We're going to, I think in particular, we're going to look at the Alabama game. I've made this case before. I think in terms of, you know, modern football and the way modern college football is played, that was the peak of it. That was the most talented game, I think, since like 2011. I was going to say the 2011 game. Yeah. Because the 2011 game is. In terms of skill position talent, that was the best game college football's ever seen. Yeah. And two. And 2011, I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think every starter in the LSU-Alabama game played in the NFL. I think so, too, yeah. But yeah, you look it, at the, the receivers from last year's LSU-Alabama game. You had, for LSU, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Terrace Marshall. For yeah. Alabama, you had Jerry Judy, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, and Henry Ruggs. Those were the seven starting receivers. They, yeah. were, they, they may all go in the first round. Yeah, it was... Just a ridiculous collection of talent, and that's why I'm saying the 2011. Let's let's tip our caps to the offensive line. They oh for sure they they carry that team. I mean, they carry the offense. The defense they carry they themselves. Carry yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got and the quarterbacks were Tua and Burrow, and the running backs were Clyde and Najee Harris. Unbelievable. The the most if you like skill position players, I think it was the best game ever. What a game. Yeah. I'm gonna. I, I might. I might just watch that during the game on yeah. Sunday and pretend <laughs> and, it's all happening again. And after I ripped the 2000, you know, our most recent A and M game for just being terrible offense, the 2011 game actually was great defense. Like that actually was NFL pros just banging into each other. Right. It was NFL pros and just solid offenses. And I mean, the defenses were just way better than the offenses in that one. And it, almost in the other one, even if it was like LSU getting murdered, Alabama scored, you know, 21 points is not a lot. Yeah, and seven of you know, seven of them, if I remember, was really late. It was it was a fairly close game yeah. throughout. But yeah, like the point here is also it shows how much football has changed in just 10 years. For the better. It's way more fun now. Yeah, because that was definitely lock people in a phone booth and just have them hit each other <laughs> until someone almost dies. And I got to say, I really like that. I miss violence. Next question. <laughs> right. Finally, Brian Arbor wants to know, wasn't the 2019 season awesome? Do you remember when we won all those games? That was pretty cool. They'll be good again. They will be. They will be. This season is fake. It is fake. <laughs> I am calling shenanigans on it. I am. I will not accept the results of this season. <laughs> it's a Travis Shamakri. Since Max and I uh, sucked out all the energy on the last one, we'll let Zach uh, take us home to talk about how great 2019 was. I mean, you're, you're never going to see another thing like it. Uh, just like you guys said, with the, the just an absurd amount of talent, and uh, we forgot just to even mention uh, future NFL head coach Joe Brady calling oh. the passing plays. I mean, just oh, all the us. all the first and second down calls were Steve Ensminger, and they were all pretty great calls. But just absurd amount of talent on, on the offense. I mean, and and the defense too. But to to give them credit, but sixty touchdowns, you know, and just record amount of points. It, it, it was it was the most fun I've ever had watching a football season. Um, I remember I almost passed out in the first half of the Alabama game after uh, the 
the the wheel route touchdown to Clyde after the yeah. Patrick Queen interception just because it was <laughs> I, again I wish you could quantify this I think that's the most cathartic play in LSU mm. history just the yeah yes this is because that that was also immediately after um uh what's his name Landon Dickerson I think is the offensive lineman who kind of cheap shot at Kerry Vincent's yeah. oh yeah and uh, after the interception and it just it just felt good that was eight years or nine years and eight games, whatever it was of just pent up frustration, getting dealt back in, in tow. And uh, it just sucks that uh, Alabama's going to use that same frustration from last year and dish it back to us. Yeah, but it's fake. It doesn't yeah. count. Fake. But yeah, we're like, walk on. Yeah. it's like beating up a shadow. Who cares? They're going to go crazy and we're, you know, not going to be paying attention. I think what's interesting about 2019, because we focus so much on the offense, the defense, which was kind of much maligned during the season, that closing kick from the defense. Oh, they were great. They, was, were, they were top three unit. If they had played like that all year, they would have been they would have been one of the better de- defenses in the past several years. They were yeah, because ridiculous. when the season started, I thought the LSU defense was going to be all time great, and I was yeah. kind of disappointed all year. And that closing kick from A and M through the playoffs and the SEC championship. They were ridiculous. They held yeah, I, and Hurts under 50%, both of them. I, I said to my friends, because I drove down to it, we drove up, or they drove up, I drove down. So I'm still, I was in Nashville at the time. We're, we still am in Nashville. But I said to my friends on our way out of the the new Falcon Stadium, I said, if if this defense, because I think they only gave up 10 points to Georgia in the yeah, SC Championship yeah. game. I said, if, if this if they play like this throughout the rest of the playoffs, it's it's a wrap. No one's touching yeah. this team. I mean, yeah, like they let up 28 points to Oklahoma, but not really. No, garbage time. Yeah, yeah, it was the garbage time. I was that was exactly what I was just thinking about too. Was on top after that performance in the SEC championship, then what they did to Oklahoma on both <laughs> sides of the ball that was amazing, and I was loving every second of it. Yeah, like I don't I, hate Oklahoma. I've got nothing against them, but that was just one of the most thorough destructions of a team, of a good team I right. think I've ever seen. I, I mean, yeah, that was – oh, they turned the entire second half into garbage time. Yeah. I texted my girlfriend, uh, as God is my witness, I texted my girlfriend after the first play from scrimmage when Chason, I think, either sacked Hurts or forced a, a throw out of bounds. But I texted her, I said, this game's a wrap. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just knew after one play, like, this is it, that's it. Yeah, I was, look at going home. I was afraid that the LSU defense was still at that time. We didn't know if they had full really actually turned the corner because they had just played Texas A&M and Kellen Mond, you know, after the aforementioned Kellen Mond um, and Jake Fromm, who are both really bad. And so I was like, all right, you know, they're going to go against the Heisman also ran, didn't really even have to go because Joe Burrow was obviously going to win. Um but, you know, against Jalen Hurts, against C.D. Lamb, uh, two should-be NFC East starters, free Jalen Hurts. Um, but, like, I thought, okay, you know, they could actually score points on this team if the defense isn't actually good. And, you know, it was. So, But but even even then, they score 48 points. That game is still kind of a blowout. It, it, that, I think, like, the Clemson game... I went into it supremely confident we were going to beat Clemson. But there was a moment in the Clemson game I was nervous. Oh, like, I thought they were done. I, was, I mean, I, yeah, I'm sure you did. 
Um, <laughs> Max, who like you know veers from like pole to pole at every moment. I'm shocked oh, that you were sure. you were really worried at a point. But it was like there was definitely a point in the game you're like, wow, um, Clemson might might beat us, and it didn't last long because you know once the machine got going, you're just like, okay, this this is gonna be fun. Oklahoma is will probably as you know Alabama was the revenge game. I think that was the perfect game. Clemson was the national championship game. Texas was kind of the coming out party, but I think the Oklahoma game will stand as their masterpiece. Like that yeah. is, if you wanted to show someone how good was LSU in 2019, mm-hmm. I'm showing them the semifinals. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was very you know 90s Nebraska. Yes, God, it's almost very close to the same score. Right, and, and I will still it be you know the turn the punch bowl here and say that I still think that Nebraska team is the best ever, just given what they did to the team, the great teams they played. Oh, that's, that's fair. That was a, that team that destroyed teams. Yeah. Like what they did to Florida. Oh my God. (laughs) That, but like with, with the Oklahoma game, when he, uh, Burrow hit dad Moss up the seam for that long touchdown. I, I, I was just hysterically laughing. And Todd Blackledge groaned into the mic. He goes, oh, <laughs> oh. And I don't know why. I just felt like Oklahoma deserved it. And I don't really hate Oklahoma, so I don't understand where that came from. Uh, but, like, I don't know. It just it was... I- I, I know for was, me, uh, it wasn't so much that I hated Oklahoma either. I, I don't really hate. I have a great respect for Oklahoma as a program. Just I love Lincoln from, Riley. from their history. Yeah, it, to me, the, the reason I loved it so much was because of the respect that I have for Oklahoma. Because I know how good of a program they've historically been. To go back to what Poser said, to see them utterly demolish them the way they did—that's what made it so much. Yeah, enjoyable, right? Yeah, and this is Oklahoma. And this is a program that historically has beaten the snot out of LSU in the few times we've played. And man, that was Yeah, it's it's that was the perfect game. I mean, when you basically take the entire second half off where you allow 28 (laughs) points but none of them mattered, it's just I don't even know what to say about it. It, it. Like that is the game when you're just like, oh, this Oh, this team is as good as we think it is. Yeah, I didn't think I didn't think a team was that good though. Like I didn't I, I in my lifetime I'd never seen a team that do that and, and look yeah, that good. Honestly, I, I think the I think the Nebraska game is a pretty good comp. I, I just looked up what the score was. They they beat Florida sixty two to twenty four. It's very and, yeah. And LSU won sixty three to twenty eight. So very similar. The difference is, is like the game was not over at the half. There was still, like, at halftime, you're like, hey, maybe Florida could come back. I mean, it is the fun and gun. Uh, no. The Oklahoma-LSU game was done at the half. I thought it was didn't, kind of done at the quarter, honestly. Like, didn't Patrick Queen also skate for the game? Like, yeah, no, these guys suck. We're going like, to kill them. Yeah, yeah. Patrick yeah, Queen. I love that. Justin would, Jefferson, the week of the Bama game, when you had lost, like, a bazillion years in a row, said, yeah, no, we're going to beat this team. <laughs> and I, I said during the week, I'm like, oh, no. Because I, I, I thought they were going to lose because, because again, we hadn't seen them totally tested because I didn't know if Florida was really that good. Um, but, like, I'm like, you shouldn't be that confident. And I will say at halftime, I was just – first of all, that halftime of that game felt like it was six hours. 
because I was just waiting for it to be over. I'm like, please be over. Just please end. Please end. Because I knew Alabama was going to come back. And and I, I just, for my own psychological self-preservation, I had convinced myself that they were going to lose that game because that's just what happens. Yeah, no, it did feel like a different LSU team where they were just, hey, we're going to win this game. And this year, hey, they're going to lose. Who and cares? I'm, it's fake. I'm okay with it. So let that be your guide. Go Tigers. Go Tigers.